This month's episode is a live episode. It's an edited version of the live show that we did at the annual British Beefman's Luncheon at the London Agriculture Festival. Beef and Dairy Network Podcast Live is sponsored by Mitchell's Farm Supplies. If it's not Mitchell's, get back in the truck. If you enjoy Beef and Dairy Live, why not come to see the new Mitchell's Live Show? Every afternoon, our Kentucky Pellet Mill plays host to Alma the Steelhoof Heifer and Snouty the Grazex Pig, who perform a show for all the family. For the kids, Alma and Snouty sing, dance, and show us how to do their super cool pellet rap. And to keep the adults interested, the fun is intercut with Alma and Snouty's violent, thought-provoking, and largely nude stage version of Stanley Kubrick's Full Metal Jacket. Described by the Kentucky Star as deeply upsetting, tickets are only $5 when you agree to sign a non-disclosure agreement. We'll see you there. And welcome to the Beef and Dairy Network podcast, the number one podcast for those involved or just interested in the production of beef animals and dairy herds. This edition of the podcast is a very special one, as it's being recorded live in front of a full audience of diners. At the British Beefman's annual fundraising luncheon at the London Agriculture Festival. The British Beefmen and women were established in 1868 as a group to distribute bags of hot beef to the poor and needy. And in more modern times, are a charitable group for members of the beef community who want to give something back to good causes. In recent years, they've raised millions of pounds for good causes, such as the St. Hilda's Home for the Plain-Looking Milkmaids with no prospect of marriage, <laughs> Action on Cold Barns, and of course, the Biafran National Front. Every year at this annual luncheon, the beef men and women are treated to entertainment to be enjoyed between the main course and the dessert course. Of course, the entertainment was traditionally provided by the much-loved double act, Cheese and Onion. Best known for their television series in the 1980s and 1990s, and their catchphrase, sometimes there is smoke without fire. <laughs> in the absence of Cheese and Onion, the beef men have asked us here at the Beef and Dairy Network to record an edition of the podcast live. And it's my great pleasure to begin this by announcing that this year's deserving cause that we're raising money for is... <laughs> Buff Sound Frontier. <laughs> or Beeves Without Borders. <laughs> Beeves Without Borders exists to campaign and lobby for the freedom of movement for beef. Increasingly, in the name of so-called public health, various countries around the world do not let a normal citizen arrive, as they would have done in the old days, festooned with beef. Here are some statistics they've asked me to read to you. Uh, despite being the colour of beef, a British passport no longer guarantees safe passage of beef around the world. 24% of British travellers travelling outside of the EU were stopped at a border and had their beef confiscated. In 1950, the British traveller carried an average of 25 kilograms of beef with them on an overseas trip. Now, unthinkably, 67% of British travellers travel without any beef at all. In today's podcast, we have interviews with TV's Mr Beef, and also one of the brains behind the 20th century's most notorious semen heist. But first, we've received a number of letters this month in response to the big question on our website. As we reach September and the new farming year begins, what was the most memorable moment of last year? Alan Trucks from Portsmouth writes, I spent most of the year secretly building a castle inside a huge barn on my cattle farm. I always call my wife my beef princess. And it was my dream to build her a beef castle to live in. The idea was that on her birthday, I would pull down the walls of the barn to reveal her new meat home. After several months, it was finished. An exact replica of Corf Castle, complete with beef ramparts, a beef portcullis, a beef cannon, and a beef gift shop. However, the more time I ploughed into the castle, the less time I was spending with her. Weeks would go by where I would barely see her. So busy was I trying to find a way to make a, a string of beef sausages strong enough to hold up a beef drawbridge. Her interest began to wane, and without my knowledge, she started shagging my best friend, Tim Bowl. When her birthday came round, I was so excited to show her the finished castle, but she was nowhere to be found. I searched the entire farm until I found her and Tim Bowl rutting monstrously in the milking shed. Just as I arrived, they were experimenting sexually with a suction-based milking machine. No doubt this was the sort of sexually arousing behaviour which had attracted her to him in the first place, but I was just about to watch the cathartic, tragic downfall of Tim Bowles' pride-bloated libido as the milking machine plain tore his dick off. 
While that was immensely gratifying to see, my relationship with my beef princess was still in tatters, much like Tim Bowles' ruined peen. I ran from the farm and didn't look back, only building up the courage to return months later. When I got back, my beef princess was nowhere to be seen. The castle had begun to rot and had been partially eaten by dogs. This was a fitting home for the wreck of a man I'd become. Every night, the surrounding farms could hear me weeping and wailing on a rotting beef four-poster bed. So, overall, a tough year. <laughs> but on the upside, I did enjoy Netflix series Stranger Things, so swings and roundabouts. Thanks, Alan. <laughs> Julie in Southampton writes... I spent much of this year single for the first time in 20 years. My marriage broke up and I thought I'd never meet anyone again. I spent long evenings alone in my house watching Stranger Things, which is excellent. <laughs> but last month I had a bit of a romantic breakthrough. It all came to a head after a particularly dispiriting night at a speed dating event where I was so scared to speak to anyone, I pretended to be a waitress and spent the evening fetching people drinks and eventually mopping the toilet when someone spewed up a prawn curry all over several cubicles. When I got home, something took hold of me that I just couldn't describe. I began to feel very strange. And not just because I had a stranger's prawn vomit in my hair. It was as if I wasn't in control of my own actions. My legs walked me to the kitchen, opened up my refrigerated meat locker, and with tears in my eyes, and cosmic power in my arms. I began to violently mash big hunks of beef together, molding cool handfuls of mince into eyes, nose, and mouth. <laughs> I opened my laptop and I turned on YouTube. Using the clay head of Lionel Richie in the music video for the song Hello as a sort of visual blueprint, I started piecing together the head of my perfect man. A perfect beef man. My beef Lionel Richie head will never lie to me or forget my birthday or make me take speeding penalty points on my licence or go to Australia on a work trip and get off with some slapper from Adelaide. Will they, Tim? Will they, Tim Bowl? P.S. If you're listening, Tim, I heard what happened about your dick getting pulled off by a milking machine. Ha! Thanks, Julie. God. That Tim Bowl sounds like a right wrong one, that guy, doesn't he? Bloody Tim Bowl. And finally, Tim Bowl. <laughs> right. A year of ups and downs for me. <laughs> On one hand, I really enjoyed the Netflix original series, Stranger Things. Loved the spooky 80s vibe. And who doesn't love Winona Ryder? On the other, I embarked on an extramarital affair which ended when my penis was torn asunder by some milking equipment. As they say, c'est la vie. Thank you, Tim Bowl. It's now time for our first guest. TV's Mr Beef, Cliff Trent Roberts, has been a fixture of our televisions for over 30 years and is credited with the beef boom of the 90s when shops up and down Britain sold out of beef after he appeared on television cooking a beef Tracy Island. The success of his branded products include the widely popular Go Beef Go Bar, the revolutionary breakfast food Beef Shards, they mean that he is rumoured to be amongst the top 100 richest people in the UK. He's also known for his high-profile alleged romantic dalliances. In recent years, he's been linked with Nigella Lawson, Nick Clegg, and George Clooney's mum. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome TV's Mr Beef. It's Cliff Trent Roberts! Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Lovely to be here. Cliff, it's a great pleasure to have you here. Thanks, Thanks for having me. Um, mm. Now, the reason you're here primarily, to begin with, is that you are a celebrity patron for Beeves Without Borders. Proud to be, certainly, yes. And how, did that, how did that start for you? Uh, well, I first became engaged uh, with uh, uh, Boeuf Sans Frontières when uh, I uh, 
It was the first time I had a little bit of money in my pocket and uh, took my first holiday I'd ever had as, a, as an adult. Went on a, it was a very cheap cruise. It was a, it was a tripe sh ship uh, cruise. Um, uh, you could get a cheap ticket on a tripe ship from uh, Vilnius all the way down to Sydney and uh, had a wonderful time. Um, it was uh, hedonistic and uh, we finally arrived in Sydney and they, uh, they would not allow us to, uh, to dock, even though many of us had friends and family waiting to, to greet us there. I was, I was horrified and I, I hadn't occurred to me before then that, uh, that beef could have a border and um, been a card-carrying member ever since. In terms of becoming a patron, uh, that was just luck, really, you know, as, as, as my career soared. Um, that was around the same time that Shirley Bassey, uh, the former patron, was found in the disabled toilets of Harrods with a lamb chop. Um, yes, less said uh, about that, the better. Your trip to Sydney... <laughs> How much beef did you have on board then? Oh, well, each, 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 we were allowed to, to, to get, basically bring out as much as we could carry with our bare hands and in our clothes. That was the rule. Because it was a just cheap tripe ship one. So they already had, I mean, they, they were, it was actually packed to the rafters with tripe anyway. Um, so, I mean, it was, it was a lot of fun. I, I, I was lucky. I managed to meet uh, a couple who'd been on a lot of these cruises before we left, and they said, just, just wear beef. That's the trick. <laughs> wear beef. So you can imagine the state of us by the time couple we got burgers, there. Down couple the burgers, down the trousers. Couple burgers, down it goes. And uh, those burgers are gone by the time you get there, sure, but you're having a wonderful time. <laughs> so, um, how, you know, how is life as a, as a patron for Beef Like Borders? Well, it's exciting. Well, it's, it's exciting. It's important, isn't it? You know, we've got, I mean, our biggest cause is Sid's Onion, obviously. Yes, now, and, uh, uh, the, the audience don't know this yet. Um, uh -huh. So, Beef Like Borders obviously does a lot of work around the world, uh, but this year it has got one central campaign, and maybe you could tell us a bit, a bit about what they're going to try and do. Well, of course, as we, we, some of you may know, Sid, of course, was initially incarcerated because he was trying to carry what was regarded by the authorities as illegal beef uh, over a, a border. And he's, uh, he's still in prison uh, now, and so we are, we are campaigning to get him out. We're putting all of our resources into that, that, that border and that uh, prison and that, uh, that wonderful, wonderful man. And do you know uh, the, the specifics of, of what Sid was carrying when he took those beefs into Turkey? He, I'm, I'm not sure what I'm allowed to, to say sure. in terms of sort of cutlets and because uh, I, I don't want to, it's a, it's a tricky sort of legal case. So do, does anyone here work for be Beefs Without Borders? I've just, I've just heard the phrase internal medallion quite a yeah. lot. <laughs> so that's where the, I mean, that's where the grey area lies legally um, because in, 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 in Turkish law they, they don't specifically uh, refer to the internal carriage of of beef, and uh, you've actually you've actually got a, a personal relationship with Sid, which is oh very much so yeah. yeah. So this must be a special thing for you. Yeah, Sid and I we, we go way back. Sid, Sid, Sid is the reason I made it in in show business in the in the first place. I was just um, I was eighty seven. I was just running a little beef stall in my hometown of Lyme Regis in, in Dorset, a um, little summer beach beef stall. And um, I don't know, I mean, some some people are quite young in the crowd. You might remember eighty seven was the summer of chicken, so it was a real. <laughs> It was a tough time for a beef salesman, and um, Sid was, he was just on holiday at the time, and he loved my, my beef gauntlets that I was selling at the time, and he could see that no one else was buying them because chicken was all the rage, and uh, he bought everything, bought the whole stall, and we had a lovely afternoon, him and, his, uh, him and his girlfriend at the time just sort of chucking beef gauntlets at seagulls. It was absolutely magic. And he, when you say gauntlet, you mean like a, like a medieval glove made of yeah, beef? Yeah, like a thick glove um, of sort of, it was compressed beef. Um, that would last, you know, up to 45 minutes in the sun. And, uh, and he, um, yeah, he, he, he booked me for his, his wedding. Did, I did all five of his weddings, actually. I want to talk about you a bit. It's not often that you don't have a TV series on. What have you been doing since Around the World and 80 Beefs? I, um... Well, I don't want to sort of uh, completely sideline it, but then, I mean, that's the, is an important issue I'd like, I would like to bring up. At the end of uh, that extraordinary tour, I got beefed out. Uh, beef exhaustion is uh, something that people aren't talking about these days. Um, I lost the joy of beef. I was tired with beef. I didn't fancy beef. <laughs> And people aren't talking about that. And, uh, well, a lot we, of people don't think, think beef exhaustion is a made-up illness. Some people don't believe it's a real illness. Um, certainly it's a problem with men, particularly men of my age. I mean, I know women will, uh, are more likely, statistically, to talk about beef exhaustion with their friends. <laughs> they mm, are more likely to have that network uh, around them. But men, particularly middle-aged men, are at great danger of just... Concealing it, not telling anyone, trying to conceal the behaviour, not turning up to dinners, uh, bringing faux beef uh, on... <laughs> 
picnics just because they cannot bring themselves to enjoy beef, and it's absolutely tragic, and I suffered with it. I mean, it's, it's not something that I, I can understand. No. You know, um, but I want to try and understand. So how would you feel if, during this time, if I was to slap a big sirloin in your face? Yeah. How would you feel? Two years ago, five years ago, you'd have chucked a big old sirloin on my face. I'd have gone, whoopie-doo, off we go. I had a little nibble. Same as anyone else, okay? <laughs> but if in the peak of my beef exhaustion, you, you had done that, I mean, I would have I just walked on by. It would have just bounced I'd, off your face. It would have bounced off. It could have stayed on my face. For I mean, I would have... Such as the inertness of, of the brain and the, the soul to beef that I would barely even acknowledge that I had been hit by beef. Yeah. Is this something that could happen to anyone? It can happen to anyone. The problem that we've got at the moment, there's no, there's no way around it. It's very difficult to get through it. There's um, no therapy the, available. There are th therapies that people have tried. There are, you know, there are groups on the dark web you can talk to about it, you know. <laughs> Um, the Vienna Institute, uh, there is a small department that are researching into it, and they very much favour immersion therapy, um, which I tried. Uh, I spent four days uh, buried in beef. Um, didn't do it. In the end, uh, it, was, uh, it was actually it was my father who, uh, who had the idea, and he was like, you've been... Cliff, you've been overcomplicating beef your whole working life. All you've been doing is you've been making beef more and more ornate just keep it simple what's wrong with simple beef and he was absolutely right it was he found my trigger it was complex beef and it just it, it, he, he he developed a lathe the beef lathe and uh, he would he would i'd stayed with him for about three or four months just me and him uh, and he would give me the finest finest slice of beef the the, the first one was just dissolving your tongue and little, you know, pops and crackles. The taste buds began to react, and that was all it was. A nurturing environment, a safe environment, keeping it simple. <laughs> now, I believe you're going to uh, do some cooking for us live on stage, which is pretty exciting. I am. Um, <laughs> yeah. Take it away, uh, Cliff. <laughs> I'm going to buck the trend with the on-stage cooking, um, because I know, uh, looking at you, that at least, uh, at least four people in this audience will be suffering with beef exhaustion as we speak. So this is for you guys. Um, if you'd hold that for me. It's a plate for the listeners at home. And what I've got on my other hand is a, uh, what I call a packet of beef. <laughs> I'm just operating that packet of beef, just removing the cellophane... Wrapping. And you think people can find these at home in their local supermarkets? You can find it at home, yeah. Probably you can find it if you look, look hard enough, you'll find a packet of beef, of course. <laughs> and this is a very fine slither of beef. It's a, quite, it's a wet beef, which I'd advise. So here we go. This is some live cooking. You know, you've some got to pay normally cooking. a lot of money for this to see so, uh, live cooking from take Cliff. Plain, plain plate. The plate is completely flavourless, chemically inert. And I've got the, the wafer thin beef and. Uh, And I'm just going to leave that there at the front of the stage, um, just in case someone uh, thinks they need to just get back in touch with the basics. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, please join me in thanking Cliff Trent Roberts. Thank you. <laughs> Next, to news of Sid Onion. As we heard from Cliff, much of the money raised this afternoon for Beavers Without Borders will go towards the efforts to free Sid from his incarceration. However, many of you will remember at last year's London Agriculture Festival, we launched a Kickstarter to raise money to be used as bribes to secure his release. <laughs> many thousands of pounds were raised, including large donations made by other famous entertainment double acts, such as Wattle and Daub, Slap and Tickle, and Olives and Bread for the Table. <laughs> Big donations, both from Brian Olives and Trevor Bread from the table for that one. <laughs> using, the, using the funds raised, Sid's daughter, Pam Onion, made the trip to Turkey to try and get him out of prison. Her attempt failed. And now they have teamed up with Beeves Without Borders to release a single to raise money for the cause. The song will be performed by her cousin, Sid's nephew, Christopher Onion. The lyrics of the song are based on a poem written by Sid whilst in prison in Turkey. Without access to a, any paper or writing implements, he scrawled it on the wall of his cell in faeces. 
The poem was so moving that the sympathetic prison guards took a photograph and sent it to his family. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Christopher Onion singing Beef is a Promise. Beef is a promise, a promise that's never broke. Beef is confusing, like a child telling you a joke. Beef is a feeling, like a letter from a long lost friend. Beef is a miracle, like a successful stag weekend. These four walls, no beefs in sight. This old man Never giving up the fight They can take away my liberty But they can't take away my dreams They can apply electric shocks to my balls But they can't take away my memories Of beef Beef is a promise a promise to you and me And beef is a choir That sings in harmony And beef is a concept That we just can't comprehend And beef is a sunset That never has to end These steel bars no beeves in weeks of my poor soul I feel like a freak They can take away my liberty But they can't take away my dreams And they can stick a power drill up my arms But they can't take away my memories of beeves the door of a van but they can take away my memories of beef my father has always meant the world to me we had a special bond that only a father and a fifth child from a fourth wife can have before he went to prison, we used to have these running jokes like when he'd pretend to forget my name and he'd say, which one are you then? <laughs> or, hang on, I will get it, is it Margaret? Or simply, who the hell are you? Get off my drive. <laughs> the plan was for me to use the money raised to go over to Turkey to bribe the authorities. And I was also going to be joined by my cousin Big John, who's called Big John because he was an extra in the film Big. In terms of his size, he is resolutely medium. We had a document with the details of the prison Dad was being kept in, but it was all in Turkish. But it was okay because we had the idea to ask Big John's friend, Turkish Kevin, who is so called because he was once an extra in a TV advert for Turkish Delight. Luckily, Turkish Kevin knew someone from Turkey, Greek Mehmet who is so called because he was an extra in an advert for Greek yoghurt because he looks a bit Greek because he's actually from Turkey. <laughs> Greek Mehmet translated the document and told us that Dad was being held in a haunted prison 
in an island called Devil's Pimple. When we arrived on the island, we began weaving a web of bribery and corruption, leaving suitcases full of money here and cash-stuffed sports bags there. Wonga-filled duffel bags, moolah-loaded burlap sacks, dinaro-jammed leather satchels, loot-packed wicker clutches, greenback-rammed ritzy tote bags, straw baskets, Backpacks, knapsacks, rucksacks, carpet bags, drawstring sports bags, briefcases, wooden trunks, dirty holdalls, tartan shopping trolleys, messenger bags, upmarket handbags, one of those bags that says don't books on it, paper bags, jute gunny sacks, Book bags, black bin bags, green bags, upmarket pocketbooks, sets of matching suitcases, cabin baggage size wheelie cases, a crossbody sports bag, a nose bag, saddle bags, motorcycle panniers, and bum bags. White envelopes, brown envelopes. Manila 90 GSM self-sealing envelopes, padded envelopes, windowed envelopes, rich beef sausages. 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 Rich beef. Enjoying it in Turkey. <laughs> We'd had a great time. The island had miles of unspoiled beaches, which were perfect, apart from thousands of ghost lepers. <laughs> However, it seemed the bribes hadn't worked. We were beginning to lose hope when, in a busy market square, a hooded figure thrust a slip of paper into my hand. It read... You can meet my boss tonight under the giant olive tree at midnight. Bring a hemp beach bag stuffed with hot cash. Yours, Richard B. Sausages. When Big John and I arrived at the olive tree under the full moon, we were approached by an old man with only one eye that was where his nose was supposed to be. (laughs) And a chin where his one eye was supposed to be. And a beard on the back of his neck. And his ears were on his chin, which was where you'd usually expect to find eyes. He explained that he was called Ali, or to his friends, Picasso Ali. Because he drove a Citroen Picasso. He introduced himself as the prison warden of the Devil's Pimple Prison. Then he shot us a look. Do you have the hemp beach bag full of money that I requested? I could barely understand his thick Turkish accent. (laughs) I said, yes, it's all here. Handing him the beach bag. He opened it and with horror, I realized that I had given him in the bag containing our beachwear. Out fell my bikini, suntan lotion and Big John's heavy soiled swim shorts. What is this? He shouted almost unintelligibly. Are you trying to make a mockery of me? Do you not think I get enough mockery as it is? With my face looking like the aftermath of an explosion at the Mr. Potato Head factory. He leaned in close. If his nose had been where a nose usually would be, we'd have been touching noses. (laughs) I was touching his nose, but that's because his nose was on the back of his hand and he was using it to stroke my cheek. He narrowed his eye. Read my lips. It was going to be hard because they were on the back of his head. You're never going to see your father again. And then a single nose eye swiveled towards Big John. Hang on. He said. I recognise you. Weren't you in the back of shot during the floor piano in the toy shop scene in the movie Big? Yes, I was. Said Big John. I even got a chance to speak to Tom Hanks when the camera stopped rolling. I moved out of his way and said, sorry. And he replied, can someone get these dog people out of my way? He wasn't talking directly to me, but I think I was one of the dog people he was referring to. Tell me. Said Picasso Ali. What is the name of your father? Sid Onion, I said. 
from the double act, Cheese and Onion. I don't know if they made it to Turkey, but they were famous for their song and dance routines, which mix homey nostalgia and hardcore sexual innuendo. Oh, very good. That sounds like my kind of thing. Said Picasso Ali. I love nothing more than laughing at something, because, taken at face value, the person is talking about something innocent, but really, they're talking about a sexual organ. Then you will love their song, Mr. Blackett's Pork Tennis Racket. I said. Picasso Ali began to laugh. <laughs> oh, 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 I like the sound of this, Sid Onion. I really do. Give me two days. At midnight, by this large olive tree, I will bring you your father. We arrived at midnight. In the light of the moon, I noticed a nipple on his forehead. Next to him was a man who I assumed was my father, but he looked different somehow. The experience of prison had left him larger, with a big shock of ginger hair. Picasso Ali thrust him towards us before jumping on a motorcycle, tearing off into the distance, crashing into a wall and dying in a ball of flames. Ow, oh, fuck's sake. <laughs> We turned to the man with the red hair. Long story short, it wasn't my father. I would like to apologise to Beef and Dairy Network listeners who uh, raised so much money only for us to spend it releasing a completely different Sid Onion uh, who, after further investigation, really deserves to be in prison <laughs> for the string of weird murders that he committed throughout the 1980s. The guy's an absolute monster. And my dad, Sid Onion, a man who did nothing more illegal than smuggle several kilograms of beef into a foreign country, remains in his cell. Come with me to a land of beef. In my dreams, I find sweet relief. Come with me. To a land of beef In my dreams I find sweet relief Come with me when the sky is beef And the ground is beef In my dreams And the people are beef sweet relief And the wind is beef Come with me And the stars are beef and the flowers are beef In my dreams And the cars are beef And the roads are beef And the cliffs are beef And the sea is beef And the trees are beef And the wind is beef And the moon is beef And the grass is beef And the rain is beef And the beef is also beef Come with me To a land of beef in my dreams, my beefy dreams, <laughs> I find sweet relief. Chris Vardian, ladies and gentlemen. <clears throat> wow, amazing. And, and that whole song was written on his wall in feces. <laughs> He's got an incredibly intricate hand with a shite. Thanks, Pam. Uh, Pam Onion, everyone! More after this. OK, so we all know that the key to a successful business is finding great talent, whether that's a business in the beef world, the dairy world, or even, God forbid, a whole different sector altogether. Well, with ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites with just one click. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within one day. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. And right now, network members can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Gratis. Zilcho, zero bino. Just go to ziprecruiter.com slash beef. That's ziprecruiter.com slash beef. One more time to try it for free. Go to ziprecruiter.com slash beef. 
slash beef. Hello. I'd like to renew my driving license. Can I take your name? Slash beef. Slash beef. That's right, slash beef. Okay, let me see here. I'm just going to put that in the computer. Let me see here. Is there some sort of problem? I'm sorry, there's no one on the system by that name, sir. There must be some sort of mistake. My name is Slash Beef. Can you can you try again? Are you sure you have a driving license? My name's Slash Beef. Let me get this right. You're spelling that S L A S H Beef? Oh, okay, my name's actually David Fungerson. David Fungerson? <laughs> That's right, David Fungerson. How are you spelling Fungerson? Um, F U N G E R S S O N Fungerson. David Funger. Oh, fine. Here you are, David Fungerson. I'm slash beef. Ziprecruiter.com slash beef. Our next guest is notorious, but is probably best known by his tabloid moniker, The Silent Wrist. <laughs> Formerly top of the Seaman Heist game. He's now working with the police, helping keep Britain's bull seamen safe. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Brian Tolbooth. Thank you. Hello, Brian. Thanks for coming in today. Thank you. My pleasure. Um, now, let's... let's um, I mean, people all know who you are, I imagine, but let's go back to the beginning. How did you first get into, mm. into the seaman theft game? Yeah, well, um, it was the early 90s. Uh, it was pre-internet. Um, I was a teenager, um, wasn't much to do. You want to make yourself a couple of quid on a Thursday? Uh, you'll mug a cow, won't you? Now, when you say mug. mug a cow, what do you... Well, cow mugging, this came before semen theft. Um, it's, I mean, it's an entry-level crime. <laughs> it's a slippery slope after that pun. Um, I mean, I regret the pun, but I did intend it. Um, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, it's, uh, cow mugging is... Um, it's a two-man job. You, uh, you find a, a cow that's uh, wandering down a lonely lane. Um, you know, perhaps it's become separated from the herd. And uh, one of you dresses up as a bumpkin. So that's a uh, fake beard, hat full of holes, uh, checkered shirt covered in hay, uh, and a three-foot pipe. Um, and that makes the cow feel at ease. Um, and uh, the other one, you're, you're coming from behind on a moped. Um, you shoot past the cow, it's, you know, there's a skill to it, but you lean across and you get one squish of the other into a beaker. You carry on past the cow, the cow doesn't know what's happened. Uh, the bumpkin jumps on the back of the moped. Half an hour later, you got half a pint of free milk. You know what I mean? You do what you want with that. You can uh, you know, sell it down the docks, um, fridge it, or make yourself uh, a small amount of bechamel sauce, you know, whatever. You've, <laughs> you've got options, which you, know, which you didn't have half an hour ago. So. And that crime of, of, of cow mugging was mm. sort of like a, a nursery slope for you in terms of the world of wider cow crime. Yeah, well, you start putting two and two together, don't you? And, um, you know, you think, well, there's actually one well, mess around with milk. There's much more valuable stuff inside a cow. And <laughs> I'm talking about liquid gold. No, I'm not. I'm talking about... Um, that's, that's, that is liquid gold. I mean, there isn't liquid gold inside a cow. Liquid, liquid, gold, liquid is... gold is also very valuable. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But if you go looking for liquid gold in cows, uh, you know, you're, uh, well, you're wasting your time and the cow's time. Um, so what are you talking what, about? What, 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 I was talking, what I am talking about is... Uh, uh, um, well, what I was intending to talk about um, is uh, what we call liquid diamonds, uh, white platinum, God's yop. <laughs> BS for short, beef semen. Yeah. yeah. There's no dressing it up. Um, you can put it in a dressing, um, <laughs> but uh, it'll cost you. And, it, and, and really, you mo you're, you're moving from milk to, uh, let's call it, God's yop. Mm. Yeah, God's yop, yeah. Because you, you notice, as, as a teenager, that the, the value of, of yeah. milk as opposed to God's yop is... Well, the value of, the value of beef semen is, uh, I mean, it's worth its own... Well, actually, it's worth double its own weight in a substance that's worth three times as much as gold. It's, um, it's, it's the most stable stock you could in the it's, world, it's, beef semen. It's worth its weight in beef semen. Literally, you could. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, I don't know how far it would get you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, 
I mean, an, an analogy is where you compare something to something else, right? <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah. In a, in a closed mind, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, so what you're so like? Cool. That the, the horse. The uh, I should have locked the the, um, the stable door before the horse bolted, shouldn't I? Earlier. That's uh, cool. That really was a case of uh, of um, locking the. Stable door before the horse. I should have. They've got your point. <laughs> Look, I'm, I'm a man of action, right? I'm not comfortable with words. So you, you were telling us about the the value of, of beef semen. Yeah, beef semen. Um, it's it's the most stable stock in the world. Uh, I mean, it's, it hardly ever dips. It's only had, it's uh, the only dips really it's ever had is um, during the Weimar Republic, famously. Beef semen was so devalued that people were painting their houses with it. Um, <laughs> Uh, and of course, the 2007 credit crunch, which we all know about, that was actually a direct result of the mid-1996 semen squelch. Um, this is when uh, farmers were selling beef semen before they'd actually extracted it from the um, beef. So what's happening is there you're dealing in, in future semen. Um, the value of semen skyrockets, but the semen itself doesn't exist. So if you combine it at the same time, the, the, the uh, price of grass remains stable, you've created a an inverse um, vortex in terms of the, well, the, the paradigm of the relation has flipped. Um, it's, what called, it's, what, it's what's called a hot cow market. And, um, I mean, by the end, literally, beef semen, pound for pound, was worth less than mints. You know, I mean, yeah. But now it's riding high? Now it's riding high again, yeah. And sure. you made a lot of money out of this, I imagine. What, what was it that normally when, you know, we watch the... The semen heist movies, mm. of course, you know. Um, oh, yeah. On yeah, Boxing yeah, Day, you know, we yeah. all sit down and watch White Gold with the family. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And... Yeah, they make me laugh, those, yeah. Well, and the no, characters, they, they no. always have their own special skill, don't they? So yeah, there'll be yeah. one of them who's good at sort of rappelling in from the ceiling. Yeah, There's yeah, one who's yeah. the driver. You know, what was yeah. your kind of skill when it came to doing the heists? Extraction. Um, <laughs> I, had a, I had a knack for it. I was going to call it a gift. Uh, I, um, uh, I, I've got very soft hands. Um, you know when you're having breakfast and, uh, in, in a greasy spoon and, and you can't get the ketchup out of the bottle? Yeah. Some people, tossing away on it for hours, can't get anything out. Others, you go in too hard, ketchup all over the plate. I mean, you understand what I'm... Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm one of those people. I mean, I can get ketchup into an espresso cup from 50 yards. You know what I mean? I'm, it's, it's, a, it's just it's sort of a risky thing. I don't know. But yeah, that's, that's, that's what I did. I, I, was at, I was at the business end. I was, I was right there. And it's a scary place to be. And as I was saying, we've all, we've all seen the Seaman Heist movies. When you watch those, and I imagine you probably have, yeah, well, yeah, well. is it a true reflection of the kind of thing you were doing? <laughs> oh, 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 give me, give me strength. That, no, well, they make me laugh. They're, yeah, I mean, you've got, you got George Clooney in a, in, a, in a sort of perfectly tailored suit you know, relieving a, a prize bull of its seed uh, into a silver samovar while, you know, flirting with Julia Roberts or whatever. It's not like that. <laughs> it is not, I'm telling you this now. <laughs> it is not like that. For one thing, you're not wearing a suit, you're wearing a bush. Um, <laughs> secondly, you're not, you're, not, you're not using a silver samovar, you're using a thermos. And if you are talking to an actress, uh, it won't be an A-lister. But we, or, we, we, Miriam Margulies would often. Um, she liked to. She 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 did. She liked. Well, she would. Um, she would hold onto the bull's horns from the front and whisper anecdotes in its ear to placate it. But I think she just enjoyed the buzz of, of being there. Were, were, you, were you inviting her to? Or she was just turning up? No, she turned up. I, I don't know. Tell us about some of the big heists you're involved in, because yeah. you've had to keep this kind of silent for many years now. Now you're, mm. you've gone to the public and you've come out yeah. as, as the, as the, the yeah. demon mist. Yeah. Um, what were the, some of the big ones that you were involved oh, with? Oh, yeah, well, um, there were some really, yeah, there were some big ones. The, um, you've probably heard of the, um, the, the, the Las Vegas big one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, so that this was, was Boffo's Cow Circus. That was Boffo's, yeah, so Boffo's Cow Circus, they play Vegas, and um, Celebrity Beef Seaman has a special price that... Um, there was a, a, an anonymous collector got in touch um, who wanted a vial of the stuff to pour into the punch at his daughter's wedding. I, you know, you don't ask questions. You, 
These are mysterious, shadowy people with a lot of power and too much time on their hands, as far as I'm concerned, but I'm, that's not for me to, to question, right? I'm just doing the job. So, the cows themselves are uh, you know, under armed guard at all times, so we have to be clever. What we did was, um, it was ingenious, we, had to, we knew we had to strike during the climax of their show, which is the moment where um, Bette Midler is um, milking five cows simultaneously um, while singing from a distance. <laughs> So we knew we had, that was when we had to strike. We had to use sleight of hand, misdirection. We had to use all, all, yeah, every trick in the book. We, had, we, we, had, we used David Copperfield. He got involved. We had, we had two dummy David Copperfields, um, a man dressed as a mirror, and um, 50 hectolitres of dry ice. Um, but we got in, we got out, and Bette Midler didn't know what had happened. Bette Midler had no idea we'd been in, in and out until, until later on, uh, I heard, in, in the dressing room, when she noticed that the, the lead bull's uh, testicles were, were the size of chickpeas. Is it true, and you might not be able to say this or not, but was mm. it true that you were involved in the royal heist? Yeah, uh, the, uh, this was the uh, heist on the, uh, what's known as the crown cow of the British Empire and her affiliated dominions, is the, the, the regal title for this cow, a very special cow, um, by the name of Sir Reginald Plimpton. <laughs> he's, um, he's got very blue blood, this cow. He traces his, his ancestry back to the cow that William the Conqueror rode at the Battle of Hastings. <laughs> Very important cow that the Queen occasionally consults on matters of war. Yeah, but a lot of people think he's kept in the Tower of London. But that's actually a replica. If you've seen that, that's not him. That's a student uh, dressed as a cow. Um, no, he's actually kept in, in, the, in the heart of Buckingham Palace. So uh, that was, a, yeah, it was an incredible job. We had, to, we had to go through the sewers of London. We had to drill through three metres of concrete to get into his royal cow chamber. That's when the Beefeaters swooped in. Um, yeah, the Beefeaters obviously protect the royal beef. Um, my colleagues were instantly beheaded around me. I had to, I had to, um, <laughs> and my head's flying all over the shop. Um, I, I, I ran through a door, ran through, there was a chase ensued through the corridors of Buckingham Palace. I ended up at a bookcase, an old bookcase, which uh, the Queen likes to keep old lonely planets on from all the, uh, all the countries she's been to. Um, pushed that open, that was a passage, led me down into the bowels of Buckingham Palace. And as luck would have it, I actually came, ended up uh, emerging in the, uh, the Royal Seaman Cellar where they keep beef semen dating back to the Middle Ages. So I picked up a magnum of 1648 with a street value of about three million pounds, um, jumped onto a jet ski and shot off down an underground river, um, emerging three hours later in the English Channel. No, these are great stories. Thank you. Um, yeah. But sadly, as we know, you were caught. I was eventually, yeah. Um, and the police took you in, and, and now the... the the penalty for beef mm. semen theft is mm. very, very harsh. Uh, often, uh, I don't know if you know this, a judge can actually look at the case and actually try you on about a million kidnaps. <laughs> which can really add up. Yeah. But you're out. You're not, you didn't do any prison time, so what happened there? Well, I was offered a choice, um, uh, which was, um, you know, um, join beef squad. <laughs> beef ho! Um, <laughs> The boys in beef. Um, <laughs> join them or face death by lethal beef. <laughs> so, you know, it was, it was a no-brainer. Which is ironic because the, uh, the initiation ceremony involved eating four cow brains. <laughs> so you're now a, a paid-up member of the beef squad? I am um, indeed, yeah. And, and what does that involve? You're, you're trying to keep beef semen safe now? And... Yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of undercover work. Uh, I mean, it can be quite boring, to be honest. You're uh, you know, dressed as a scarecrow. Tied to a stick for 46 hours, <laughs> staring at cows. You were telling me earlier in the green room that you once had to be dressed as a bull itself, as a kind of decoy. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was one of the toughest jobs of my life, I've got to say, actually. I, uh, yeah, I was dressed as a cow, uh, uh, a Lincolnshire red-eye. And uh, it was all kitted out on the inside. I had the internet and stuff. It was great. But, um, <laughs> but uh, what happened was the, uh, the, the, the beef robbers, the, uh, they, 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 they attacked a week earlier than we'd foreseen. And it was actually my old crew. The ones who weren't beheaded? The one, yeah, the, um... <laughs> yeah. Well, the ones that were, that were redheaded, yeah. Um... <laughs> actually, my, my, my old best friend, uh, Fast Ian, he, uh... He approached me and I realised that I had a... He was holding, he was holding a beaker in his left hand. And uh, I realised I had a terrible choice. Which was... Expose who I was, blow my cover, and be uh, you know head butted to death, or 
be tossed off by your best mate? It was the longest 40 minutes of my life. <laughs> well, thank you, Brian, for all of your stories. It's been wonderful uh, to have you here. Thanks for doing your bit for the charity. Ladies and gentlemen, Brian Talbot. Thank you very much. We finished the show with a message for Sid Onion. Dear Sid, you've given us so much joy over the years. Your only crime was to take beef over a border. A border that beef itself doesn't recognize. In our eyes, you're innocent. We love you, Sid. Everyone say after me. We love you, Sid. And we're going to do everything we can to get you out. Everything we can. And we're here this afternoon to raise money for Beefs Without Borders. We're all going to put our hands in our pockets and we're going to get you out of there. Ladies and gentlemen, please drink your fizzy beef wine. Round of applause for Sid Onion. Thank you to everyone who came along to that live show in London last week. We had a lot of fun. I hope you did too. Also, a huge thanks to everyone involved. That's Mike Wozniak, Henry Packer, Naja Kamal and Dave Cribb. Hi, I'm Ben. And I'm Adam. And we host The Greatest Generation, and uh, we're here to announce a new show. The Greatest Discovery is Maximum Fun's new podcast about the new Star Trek series, Star Trek Discovery. We're going to be recapping every single episode. It's going to be a limited-run podcast, and we hope you'll join us. It's a show that we're really excited to watch, and we're really excited to talk about it and provide our signature and fart joke coverage of a new entry in the Star Trek franchise. So if you like irreverence, adult humor, irreverence again, (laughs) and Star Trek, we really hope you'll join us on Tuesdays on Maximum Fun or wherever you get your podcasts to The Greatest Discovery. Oh, they made us edit dick out of the last promo that we submitted, so... You should keep that part in the promo. (laughs) Hey, this is Griffin McElroy. Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. And we've got a new podcast on Maximum Fun called Wonderful. Wonderful. It's an enthusiast podcast where we talk about things that we're excited about and things that you're excited about. Things like overalls. 24-hour Sudafed. The grand prize game. The fact that wombats use their butts to kill predators. The soundtrack to the movie Dick Tracy. The beach potion we call Bud Light Line. All these things and more every Wednesday, and we'll all also talk about things that you're excited about. You can find us on MaximumFun.org or iTunes or wherever. I don't know. Just search Wonderful. Google it. You'll probably get there. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.